You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It's been wonderful. It, uh, it started at the airport in Chicago. That We had 34, 35, where's Brother Brown? 34, 35 independent Baptists on the plane together coming from Chicago out here. <laughs> So we're sitting in the gate, at the gate, and the guy comes over the thing, you know, and he says, uh, due to the weather, he said, the plane is overweight. And I've never heard that before, all the time in flying, the plane is overweight. And I thought, what in the world? And I thought, oh my goodness, 34, 35 fried chicken eating independent Baptist. Uh, Yeah, it probably is overweight, amen. But uh, we made it, we had a great time. And I just enjoyed being here. So many friends and and every session this morning, the preaching just outstanding. And I love the the session on music. This I thought that was outstanding. And uh, but my goodness, for us old boys that were saved out of rock and roll, I'm telling you, you got to be careful about too much of that stuff. <laughs> and so, and, and I was I don't know where Pastor Kevin is. Where's Pastor Kevin? I was I was thinking, Pastor, I, yeah, I could teach a uh, a class on music this fall. I wrote down a bunch of good old songs I could use and, uh, and play and, and have fun with. But anyway, uh, I'm serious. That was, that was outstanding stuff on music. And, uh, and we'll say more about that in a little bit, I think. But, uh, and thank you for allowing me to preach uh, on the program with my pastor. And uh, the privilege of our life, my wife and I, was to serve with Pastor Brown there for 10 years. And uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to do in the will of God uh, was leave there. And um, we patterned our family after his family. We tried to pattern our marriage after him. We tried to pattern uh, rearing our children after what we saw him and Diane do. And uh, what a mess. And the way you heard him preach this morning was what what I heard for 10 years, week in and week out. That's no show, that's no put on. That's how it was every Sunday, Wednesday night. Yeah, faithful, faithful. It'll be 77 years of age at the end of April and get up here and preach like that. My gracious, just wonderful. So it's been great. It's just been wonderful to be here and I sure appreciate the opportunity. Psalm 138, Psalm 138. And uh, we'll get into this here tonight. So I'll give you a moment to find it, Psalm 138, and uh, you've been sitting for a while. If you're able to stand in honor of God's Word, why don't you do that? We're just going to read the first two verses here uh, for our text and uh, begin to preach here a little bit. First, uh, in, the, in the first two verses of Psalm 138, okay? And so David wrote here, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And I want to preach for a little bit on the magnified word. I want to to preach a little bit on on the interpretation here and then get to the application in a little bit. So let's pray together on the magnified word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this place the last 24 hours or so. It's been very, very helpful. And now, Lord, I pray that your spirit will come afresh and anew. My goodness, the spirit-filled singing has been a blessing in the fellowship. But, Lord, here's preaching time, and, God, we need you, and we all need to be filled, both speaker and listener. So we, we, sank, we set apart these next few minutes, God, sanctify them for your honor and your glory and for the help of people for all of us tonight. Thank you for this church, its pastor, staff, my goodness, the effort they put into the meeting. So, Lord, bless that tonight in this service, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Like many pastors, during the year 2022, I began to ask God if there was a theme or a special emphasis that he wanted us to pay attention to in 2023. We don't always have a theme every year, but there are years when we do, and we emphasize, you know, that theme different ways throughout the entire year. 
And God did put a theme on my heart for our church. It's found in verse number two there, where David wrote, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And so the magnified word became the theme for our church this year. We've had a wonderful, we're doing, doing different things associated with it. Natalie Raines wrote a beautiful song about the magnified word called, I have a Bible. The voice of God that speaks from the pages, the truth of God that stands throughout the ages. It's a lamp, it's a light, it's the very breath of life, a source of comfort, cheer, and my heart's delight. I'm so thankful that I have a Bible. David knew something was special about the Word of God, and as I said earlier, through his pen, God revealed a wonderful truth about his Word. He has magnified his word above all his name. Now, in verse number one, we won't reread it there. David begins this song by expressing his will, his desire to praise God. And David said he put his whole heart into the matter of praising God. David's praise was not lip service. It was not some uh, evangelical awesome dude. It wasn't that type of thing. No, there was a sincerity and a zeal about his praise that encompassed all of his heart. And he was not ashamed to publicly praise God. He said he would praise God, the big G God, before the little G gods. And Psalm 119 verse 46, he said, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. You know, the nation of Israel was bordered by nations who worshiped and served false gods and false deities. And David would publicly praise God, Jehovah God, before kings and princes and judges who worshiped those false gods and false deities. You remember when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? And he got so blessed that he began to praise God and dance mightily in public. We used to wonder about that dancing mightily. What in the world did it look like? I think Brother Gravely gave us a little bit of that last night when he was talking about the <laughs> excitement of preaching and he began to run around the platform. I believe that's what David was doing out there. I believe he was excited. I believe he was running around, twerking or whatever he's doing. He's just praising God. And his wife looked out the window and criticized him, tried to shame him. David would have none of it. He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. And people, it's okay to get happy in a worship service, and it's okay to publicly praise God. And if that's not you, that's your business. But I'll tell you something, be careful about criticizing someone who shouts out a glory to God or an amen or a bless the Lord. God took Michael's fruitfulness away for the rest of her life for criticizing the sincerity of her husband when, she, when he was praising God. You've heard it said, somebody says, I'm worried about wildfire in the church, and there's, there's enough ice cubes in the pew. You don't have to be worried about little fire in the church. Truth is, singing and speaking the praises of God. What we've been doing here tonight, brother, I'm telling you something. That, that, that is a high and holy work. It is the work of angels who sing and speak the praises of God continually. Isaiah saw it. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. 800 years later, John the Apostle saw it. Same song over and over again. And during services, we have the opportunity to enter into the work of angels in heaven. And every time we assemble and lift our voices in songs of praise to our God, we enter into the work of angels. And David said, he entered into that work with his whole heart. That's what he said in verse 1. Then you come to verse number 2, and the Bible says that David worshipped in the prescribed way that he was commanded to by God. He said, I will worship toward thy holy temple. Now, you know, David was not a priest. So he could not enter into the holy place at the temple of the tabernacle. You know, the, the high priest could only go into the holy of holies once a year, right? That was a reserve for him and him alone only once a year. But kings couldn't even go into the holy place. Remember what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 when Uzziah went in the, in, in the, in the holy place there? And here came uh, the, uh, the, the chief priest with 80, other, 80 others. Remember Brother Roloff did that to the governor of Texas. Took 81 men and said, get out. Not the state's business to be horsing around in the church. And Uzziah had no business in that temple 
and they told him to get out. But what David could do and what David did do was worship toward the temple. The Israelites made their prayers toward the temple. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. You see, there was a place where God's presence came in a special way. And God's people were told to pray toward that place. And David followed that practice and said, hey, we have a place where God's presence comes in a special way. And that place is where God's people are supposed to assemble to worship him in song and fellowship and giving and praying and preaching. It's called the local church. Ezekiel was in captivity. You remember this? The Spirit of God took him in a vision to Jerusalem and showed him the abominations that were taking place there. And in chapter 8, verse number 16, Ezekiel said there were about five and 20 men, now don't miss this, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshiped the sun toward the east. And in the next verse, 17, God speaks to Ezekiel. Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit abominations which they commit here? God was not at all pleased that those 25 men had turned their backs toward the place that was designated for his worship. So be careful about turning your back toward the local church and worshiping in your own way with your little cell group in your house. Being the priest of your family, where in the world did you get that? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is as the manner of some, folks, this is not new. You say, well, I'm having a hard time getting people to be faithful to the services at the local church. I don't, this is not new. That was happening in the first century. Jesus hadn't been gone 60 years. And they were already forsaking the local assembly. You get to verse number two. David says he will praise God's name for his loving kindness and his truth. And Preacher brethren, that's the example of the balance that we need. Speaking the truth in love. And that does not mean that you cannot preach hard and preach tough. Second Corinthians 13, Bible says, Paul there, he, he said, God has given authority to a preacher. But that preacher has to be careful how he uses that authority. Paul said he didn't want to use that authority to destruction. He wanted to use it to edification. So does that mean we can't preach hard? Oh, no, 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 you can preach hard. I'll tell you what I've learned in the 32 plus years in the same pulpit there in Bourbon, Illinois, when I preach hard in the flesh, I hurt the folk. But when I preach hard, led of the Holy Ghost of God, in the study, he takes you to those passages and he gives you the message and you get up and you preach hard in the spirit. You'll always edify the church. So he said, thou hast, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's a, that's a stunning statement. Is God's word larger, greater than, than God's name? And I'm thinking to myself, all things about our God are equally the same, right? Equally important, equally big. And yet God has magnified his word above all of his name. Amen. Now what does that mean? Well, do you remember, somebody mentioned that, I think Preacher Brown, you mentioned this in, in your prayer this morning. You remember what Peter said about the written word of God in 2 Peter chapter 1? The Bible says there that Peter, after he testified, that after he had heard the audible voice of God, audible voice of God, not once, twice, at Jesus' baptism in the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. 
And he was talking about the scriptures. The scriptures are more sure word of prophecy than the audible. I can't wrap my mind around it, but that's okay. If I could and you could wrap our minds around everything God is, he'd be a mighty small God. But I believe it. The greatest and most sure revelation of God is found in his word. Now listen, just give this thing with me. Number one, God revealed himself to mankind several ways. God revealed himself to man through his son, Jesus, right? John 14, 9, Jesus said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And we believe that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And Hebrews chapter one, the Bible says, I love this phrase, that Jesus is the express image of his person. So Jesus was a revelation of God to mankind. Where do we learn about Jesus? Where do we learn about him? We learn about him in God's word. People think a minute percentage of the world's accumulative population, what is it, eight, 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 eight billion now? But I'm talking about accumulative, all right? Since the beginning of time as we know it there in Genesis. A minute percentage of the accumulative population had the privilege of interacting with Jesus. He was only on the earth for about 33 and a half years. And really in a public manner for about three and a half years. And all of it contained within a very small geographical location. So what about the vast majority of the accumulative population who did not live when and where Jesus did? That would be me and you in that number, right? Where we have the privilege of learning about Jesus and therefore learning about God through God's word. That's nothing new. This is all, you've done, you know this. God also has revealed himself through all, all. Isn't that an interesting statement? All by name. He's known by several different names that reveal specific characteristics about his nature. I won't time to go, to, to, take the time to go through those. You know many of them. God, God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the everlasting God, Judge, the Lord our righteousness, Most High God, Jehovah Jireh, I am that I am, Abba Father. Each of those names, all the others, shed light on the character and nature of God. And we learn God reveals himself to us through his name. Where do we learn those names? In God's word. So if we did not have God's written word, we would know very little about all his name. And then how about this? Another revelation of God is creation. Creation teaches us about God's eternal power and Godhead, Romans chapter 1. I love Psalm 19, the heavens. They don't just whisper. Declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech. There is no language where their voice is not heard. Every 24 hours, God's creation preaches a sermon all over the world. And that's great, isn't it? But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my, oh yeah, shall not pass away. The promise of divine longevity of the Word of God makes it the most sure revelation of God. This book is the magnified Word of God. God Himself 
has brought up and made large and lifted up and made great. His written word, it's the most sure revelation of God that you and I will find anywhere on earth. What a book we hold in our hand. And I would guess that not one person in this place would do anything to disrespect or bring dishonor or criticize the name of God. We do not use God's name in vain. We do not text OMG on our phones. We don't throw God's name around like many in this world do. We'd be horrified if any child of God connected God's name with damnation. We dare not dishonor the wonderful name of God. And if we would not do anything like that to God's name, then why in the world are some even who claim to be a part of us? Why are we attacking and criticizing and tearing down the very thing that God said he's magnified above all his name. I don't understand these quote unquote independent Baptists doing disrespect to God's word. And I'm talking about your King James Bible. Why are independent Baptists finding fault with the King James Bible? Why are independent Baptists leaving the King James Bible for other versions? And and I'm going to tell you why this is on my heart in just a moment, okay? We hosted a ball game not long, some time ago at our our school there at the the church, and uh, a guy that was with the other team and I were talking, and he said, what do you think about all these independent Baptist preachers having, having trouble with the King James now? I, I, honestly, I didn't know about it. I, I, you know, I, I didn't know much about it. And I, I trust the guy, but, you know, wonder, you wonder sometimes if it's exaggerated, right? Yeah, you, know, you know, so I didn't know. But then I, I got a letter from a missionary that we support. And I believe the Word of God's in the original Masoretic Hebrew and Texas Receptus, and, you know, we're not going to be able to use. It was very interesting in his letter. His letter came right before his mission board's letter came. The mission board's letter uh, said they were having to terminate their relationship with him because he couldn't sign their doctrinal statement, which to me that was a very clear letter. In his letter, he said the mission board was ambiguous. But you know what? I wrote him back. I said, you know who's ambiguous? You are ambiguous. Because you said you couldn't use this, this this English-speaking country. He said you can't use this and you can't use the King James, but you never did say what you were going to use. You're ambiguous. And then somebody sends me this, this, this podcast by these, these men, how to transition, what? How to transition your church away from the King James Bible? What did he say? I don't know, I won't listen to that. Not about to listen to it. Couldn't believe it. Now, you know, I thought this battle was fought and won several years ago. But preacher, you one year when Brother House came, you let me and Joyce go to Burlington and pick him up at the airport there. He, he flew into Burlington and we drove him up to. And we were talking about things going on in the you know fundamental Baptist world. And and I said I made some statement about I thought that was done. He said Terry. He said every generation is going to have to redefine its position. So now we have these awesome dudes with their with their slick. Yeah, they're cool. You know what cool means? Not so hot. You say you got a burr under your saddle. I got a burr under my saddle tonight. Yeah, I do. Now we got these younger men in ministry laying out a path on how to transition away. And I wouldn't doubt but there's somebody sitting out here tonight listening to that junk. 
And look, this is what's on my heart, and I prayed about this. I, I fought this, really, because, I, you know, I, know, I kind of know the crowd that's coming to North Valley, and I didn't come out here, preacher, to preach a message just to get everybody, yeah, yeah. I, 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 look, you young men in ministry, you young men 40, 45 years of age and under, listen. Brother Hanson, can you help me? To, this is, yeah, Brother Caleb, this is off the cuff. This is not pre-practiced, pre, pre is it? No, we, we, didn't, we didn't practice this, no. You got to say, no, we did not. not yeah, okay, good. Okay, good. Brother Hanson, let's, let's just, do you believe that creation took place within a six 24-hour day time period? Yes, sir. Why do you believe that? The Bible said so. Oh, the Bible says, oh, so. Do, you believe, do you believe Israel is the chosen people of God? Yes, sir. Why do you believe that? The Bible says so. You believe there was a Passover lamb down in the land of Egypt. They took the blood and put it on the lintel of the doorpost, and, and they, the, the firstborn child was, was a spared judgment. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Why do you believe that? The Bible says so. Do you believe the Red Sea parted? and, and two, how many, who, who knows how many people walked across on dry ground? You believe that? Yes, sir. Why do you believe that? The Bible says so. Okay, how about Jericho and the walls falling down without yes, a... Why did that? Why? Yes, sir. Why? The Bible says so. Bible? Oh, okay. Goliath, he got hit in the head with the stone. He's done. Yes, sir. Why do you believe that? The Bible says And the three Hebrew boys went to the fiery furnace, didn't burn up. Why is that? The Bible says so. And then Daniel endured the lion's den. The Bible says And Jesus was born of a virgin. The Bible says so. And the miracles of the Gospels. The Bible says so. And the death on the cross. Yes, sir. And the empty tomb. Yes, sir. And salvation in Jesus' name. Yes, Why do you believe all that? The Bible says so. Oh, rapture, new heaven, new earth. Why do you believe all that, Brother Hanson? The Bible says so. Okay, you're going to tell you everything you believe comes out of this book, and then you're going to turn around and tell me where there's errors and faults and 22,000 mistakes in the Bible that you say everything you believe comes from. No, no, he would never do that. He worked for me for eight years. This guy's solid as a rock. But that's what's happening to men your age. Thank you. I can't think of anything more dumb. What? What? Tell me everything you believe about everything comes out of that book, and then you start critic you start ripping the book. These guys got a hole in their head. So now you're gonna to listen to some slick young preacher on a professionally produced podcast who calls into question the truthfulness and the authority of the King James Bible and everything you say you believe is because of what this book says. Now that podcast has your attention and that's your problem. You start to swallow that and they come across as so intellectual. Can I remind us tonight, folks, that intellectualism is the enemy of faith. Not, not learning, not, no, not academics, intellectualism. Just check out Paul's visit to Athens in Acts 17. He had a fruitful ministry in Philippi, a fruitful ministry in Thessalonica, a fruitful ministry in Berea. And then he goes to Athens and only a handful of people trust Christ as Savior. And as far as we know, there was no church started in the city of Athens, which was the intellectual capital of the known world. Intellectualism. I, it, it, to be honest with you, it doesn't even sound really intellectual to me because that's where you get all this awesome dude, cool stuff. Oh, dude. Oh, cool. Oh, awesome stuff. God has magnified his word above all his name. You would not dare entertain messing with God's name. Don't dare mess with his word. And by the way, you start messing with God's word, you won't have to worry about your intellect because God will start messing with your mind. And I tell you, I, tell you, I, I got a burn to my saddle, but I think, it, I think it just... I'm trying to help the young, younger. It's, you were right. There's nothing more excited than these young pastors. 
nothing more exciting. Man, they're preaching and they're building buildings and their Sunday schools are full. But some of you guys are going to get out there and it's not going to go. Maybe, maybe you don't have a school and you have a town of 6,000 or a town of 2,000 and you've got a little more time on your hands and you're going to start listening to Now I tell you, well, I'm a TR man. A TR, not Teddy Roosevelt, folks. That's not Teddy, what he's talking about here, okay? I'm a TR man. I'm a Texas Receptus man. We, we believe the Word of God was inspired in the original manuscripts, Hebrew, a Masoretic Hebrew, and the Greek Texas Receptus. I'm a TR man. I, I appreciate the TR, but I'm not a TR man. I am a King James Bible man. I can't read Greek, and neither can, Preacher Brown, my almost 91-year-old, eighth-grade educated father-in-law, who grew up on an Iowa farm and raised his family on an Iowa farm. But for all these years, early in the morning, he has opened up his King James Bible that's so hard to understand and so difficult and he's read it faithfully, and he's lived it practically. And Brother Joe Brown's wife, Charity, just recently told my wife, we run into people all over southeast Iowa who were influenced for Christ by your dad. Seems like he understood that book enough to make his life count for Christ. And don't let the eighth grade education part fool you. That was years ago when they had by seventh grade thousand times more than what our kids are getting today in the public school. And Brother Luke and Brother Allen, you know what I'm talking about. He is not a dumb man. He's not an uneducated man at all. Young man, don't give up your King James Bible. Your King James English Bible. If you believe that's God's word, and you should, it's been magnified above all his name. Don't mess with it. And for those of us who are 45, 50 years of age and older, we need to remember to say it plain. We need to say it like this. I believe the King James Bible is the perfect, inspired, preserved word of God. You remember in Judges 12 where, when those Ephraimites were trying to escape and the men of Gilead questioned them, art thou an Ephraimite? The Bible said, art thou an Ephraimite? Oh, nay, nay, nay. If they say nay, the Gileadites said, okay, well, now, uh, say Shibboleth. But the Ephraimites could not frame their tongue and mouth to pronounce it right. Oh, we okay. You're one of them. Well, we only use the King James. We only use the King James. Do you believe it's the King James only? Say it plain. We cannot let the devil lull us to sleep about this. We must continue to nail this down and say it plain. God has magnified his word above all of his name. And if God has brought up and made large and lifted up and made great his word above all his name, maybe you and I should follow suit instead of crawfishing and back it up on the book God has given us. I really hope some of you TR guys are mad. I really hope you are. In Illinois, I can name three churches where young pastors, young pastors, leading historically independent Baptist churches have abandoned the word of God, the word that he has magnified above all of his name. Two of them have changed the position of the church on the Bible. One tried, but it did not happen as he planned. 
Because the men of the church, now, I'm, I may get out on a little thin ice here. Bear with me, okay? I'm not going to. The men of the church who prayed and bought the land and built the, built the building and paid the bills and prayed at the altar and drove the buses and taught the Sunday school classes, met with him and said, we're giving you a full paid two weeks vacation. And when you return, you will tell us if you're resigning or you want us to take a vote of confidence. He came back and resigned. Uh, Now, look, look, look. You say, well, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, Look, I'm sorry. A guy comes, a a young man comes before a pulpit committee and tells that pulpit committee what he believes about this, what he believes about the Bible, what he believes about this. And in the three to five years, because there's books out there and manuals on how to transition your church to an emergent church and now how to transition from the King James, he's got his little plan. He lied to those men. He didn't buy that building. He didn't put anything in that building. No, sir. Say, well, it wasn't theirs. It wasn't his either. That church is God's. And I'm not, don't, don't leave here and misrepresent what I'm, I'm not for insurrection in the church. No, sir. You get into that kind of business, God, God will kill you. The earth may split wide open and you fall right down to it, okay? I'm not talking about you're mad about this program or that soul winning program or the whatever. I'm talking about when a young man has lied to a pulpit committee, told them what, that, what he knew they wanted to hear. And then he's got his little own agenda. And I'll tell you what, it was sad, but at one of those other churches, those men who had prayed and given and worked and served, they, they left, and the compromisers stayed. And I'll tell you, to me, that was a shame. He didn't, he didn't put any money into that thing. He didn't have any sweat equity in that church. Not a bit. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's wrong, folks. That's wrong. That's wrong. I said to one of them the other day, man, I wish you to call me. Well, for all you givers and prayers and workers and servants packed up and left, I'd have told them to do the same thing. You say, well, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Well, you go bark up yours then. I'll bark up this one. Okay. I, brother, I, I'm, I'm fed up with it. And so, but you know, people say, well, you know, as soon as their Bible goes, their standards go. But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I think it's just the opposite. You know, you had your beginning and ending thing. Okay, I don't think it starts with giving up the King James Bible. But that's where it ends. You, you, remember, you remember there in, in uh, Ezra when the Jews returned from captivity? And Zerubbabel and Jeshua, they, they brought the first group back. And you know the first thing they did? They built the altar. They built the altar. And then the next year, they laid the foundation of the temple. And they got that temple in, in working order, and they got the offerings and the sacrifices, and they got worship going again, right? You got the altar, and then you got the fountain, then you got the temple, you got worship. And then Nehemiah came. What did Nehemiah do? He built the walls. He built the walls. The walls were not a nuisance. The walls were not a burden. The walls were protection. Protection. Protecting what? The foundation, the temple, the altar. And gentlemen, that's what our standards are. Our standards are not a burdensome thing. Our standards are not grievous if they're Bible standards. They're not hard. And they're not, they're not, no, 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 no. They are protection. And as soon as you compromise on the music, 
and you compromise on the dress, it is a slippery slope. This maybe, I don't know how many years, I mean five or six years ago now, a missionary that we supported, he, he wrote a letter. Actually, actually, his dad called me and he said, hey, my son's going to be coming home and, and uh, they've changed. They changed their music. They changed their standards. And they named, it, named the preacher where they were going. I said, well, that's it. that says what it is right there. But anyway, so I wrote him a letter, the missionary, and his dad didn't even know about it until he was ready to come home. So I wrote him a letter, and I said, you know, this is a slippery slope, and da, da, da. And he called me. And he said, I, I need to explain something to you, and da, 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 and all the explanation stuff. And he said, you know, and by the way, he said, oh, you older men, talk about the slippery slope. Slippery slope, slippery slope. Look, he said, I know what I'm changing, and I'm not going any further. <laughs> That's what he said to me. And all he was going to change Y'all know him. All he was going to change was his music and his dress. But now there's wine. Yeah. Now there's wine. Now there's all this other. And guess what else has changed? His Bible has changed. You know, we have no problem believing. We have no problem believing that the divine and the human working together, if you'll let me say it that way, produced the living word. Are, are we, are, okay? The Holy Ghost overshadowed the womb of a little virgin Jewish girl. Holy Ghost divine, Mary, little Jewish girl. Not the blessed virgin Mary, just a Jewish girl who was a virgin, overshadowed her womb. Nine months later, the perfect living word was born into this world. But somehow, men cannot imagine the Holy Ghost overshadowing the men of Hampton Court to produce the perfect written word. Say, oh, Brother Terry, you don't believe Believe what? Let me tell you something, friend. It was not up to those men of Hampton Court to preserve God's word. God took responsibility for that. He said in Psalm chapter 12, verse 7, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thus thou, 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 thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Do you understand the relationship between the living word, Jesus Christ, and the written word, your Bible? Well, you must believe in double inspiration. Well, you do too. You may call it something else. You've got the book of Jeremiah. You got the book of Jeremiah. God gave it once. The king took his pen knife, cut it off, threw it in the fire. God told Jeremiah, get Baruch. I'm going to give it to you again. I'm going to add some more. To it. Look, I, I know. I, I'm not trying to get in. Well, well, you, you ever looked at the lives of some of those men at Hampton Court? They had some real problems. Have you ever checked out the lives of the men who penned? <laughs> I mean, you know, God called, God called Moses and David and Samuel and Solomon holy men of God. Thousand women, 300 concubines, whatever, 300 wives, 700 women. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They did call them holy, but I'm going to tell you something. Man did not have anything to do with the original pen, 
penning of God's word other than just speaking what God said out of their tongue or what the Holy Ghost did with their pens. How hard is that to understand? I do not, I cannot come to you tonight from the, an educated and learned perspective. I'm, I'm talking about as far as hours and hours of study and research on this issue. But I come to you from the perspective of faith. I believe with all of my heart that I hold in my hand the word of God. You say, well, that's a simpleton approach. Now, I don't know if that will stand the test of time. Then you tell me what you did when whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that won't stand. Maybe that one won't stand the test of time either. Yeah, I mean, if there's, a, if there's a problem with one part of it, what about the rest of it? Are you going to base your eternal destiny on a book you're finding fault with? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. By, help me now. I got right here. That proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I believe I have every word God wants me to have. And guess what? I found out I can live by it. And my marriage can live by it. And our six kids and their spouses can live by it. And my grandkids can live by it. And my church can live by it. And tomorrow when I open up this precious book again, it still will be everything I need. The voice of God that speaks from the pages. The truth of God that stands throughout the ages. It's a lamp. It's a light. It's the very breath of life. A source of comfort, cheer. And my heart's delight. I'm so thankful that I have a Bible. You have, you have, you have a Bible? Are you thankful you have the Holy Bible? Now, if, you, if there are men in ministry, let's just say 45 years of age and, and younger, would you stand, please? And when I say men in ministry, full-time, part-time, doesn't matter, and even men... 45 and under, you're a Sunday school teacher, a bus captain, a junior church preacher. That this is what was on my heart. And you can ask my wife. I struggled. I don't come out here and just hoopla. You know, men, in 2 Timothy, Paul said that he was persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, right? Now, I know he's talking about salvation. But would you, would you be willing to commit your faith about this book to him? Will you commit it to him? Did you commit it to him? Did you just commit it to him? Because you know what? That book, that book says if you'll, com- if you'll commit it to him, he is able to keep it. You'll be all right. You just commit it to him. You just commit your, don't you commit your faith to this Yahoo out here telling you how to transition your church. Don't you dare, don't you dare leave this place and the money and the effort and the time that these people have put into this meeting. 
You commit, you commit your faith about that book to him. I imagine God will keep that. I don't imagine you'll be changing to some new, modern, dumbed down. The language of that book is majestic. Change the V's and the vowels. Went to a church on vacation with the family. Luke will remember this, my wife, and, and maybe some of them. You know, I didn't know. I was at an independent Baptist church, you know, and I picked up the Bible out of the rack, and it's the ESV, and it says because we need to remove, need to remove all the V's and vowels. The these and that. And every song that we sang, they put up on the screen every song, it had all the these and thou's and everything. And thee, thou, thee, thou, 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 thee, thee, thou, thou, thee, thou, thou, thee. But we can't have all those words in the book. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Frank Logsdon, Pastor, you remember you gave us that letter. Frank Logsdon sat on the editorial committee of the New American, Sta New American Standard Version, NASB. He sat on the, on, the, on the editorial committee of the New American Standard Version. And at the end of his life, before he died, he wrote a letter. I got a copy of it. I should have brought it. I got a copy of it in my file where he apologized. And he said, I made a grave mistake. Yeah, we don't, we don't hear them pulling that out, do we? They don't pull that letter. They don't pull that. Where's a podcast on that subject? I'm so thankful that I have a Bible. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.